Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we connect with marathon swimmers around the world to find out how they got started, what makes them tick, and why they keep going. It's where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers, the connections that we have with each other, our support crew, and the waters we cross. If you've ever stood at the edge of a body of water and wondered what it would be like to swim to the other side, you're in good company. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, water relationship coach, and founder of Intrepid Water, where I virtually teach swimming freedom. Freedom to get started, shed the confines of the pool, or your preconceived notions of what's possible. Find out more at intrepidwater.com. Hello, Marathon Swim Story listeners. It was quite a summer and has already turned to fall. There's even hints of winter some mornings. My kids are back to school and I've been enjoying crisp morning walks, admiring the changing colors of the leaves. I wonder what it's like where you are. Let me know. I always, always love to hear from you. Shannon at intrepidwater.com. On the swimming front, I'm taking time to take stock of my stroke and really honing swimming as more of a practice, not so much a workout, more like yoga, seeing how I can take tune more like a shape in the water and just do even a better job with each stroke on that shape. If that sounds interesting to you, I would love to chat with you. I have a six-week virtual on-demand freestyle fundamentals course that will rock your world. I have no doubt that it will make you rethink the way you swim. I've seen participants take as many as 12 seconds off per 100, and they're consistently reducing their strokes per length. If you've been looking for a way to swim further, faster, and with ease, I highly recommend that you check it out. Go to intrepidwater.com. I have a big swim at the end of August, which I'll talk more about in a future episode, but it was an amazing testament to how far I could go with a solid technique as a foundation. If you're looking to tune your stroke as the seasons change, I would love to chat with you. Just reach out. Wow, (laughs) it's been so long. I have to say that I'm out of practice. I hope that you enjoy the 2022 summer series. While difficult to listen back and hear my newbie self at times, it was a delight to revisit the stories of these brave and daring athletes who I interviewed in 2020. There are always gems to be discovered in every single story, and I hope that you found the remix as a fun way to highlight some of them. 
in. Today's episode, I chatted with Daniel Adcock Kirsch about his relationship with the water all the way from growing up through to his teenage years, how he walked away from swimming for a very long time, only to return to attempt the English Channel. I hope you enjoy his story. Hello, or I guess I was going to say good morning, but good evening, Dan, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk to you today. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with the water. Okay, I will do, Shannon. Firstly, a real pleasure to meet you. As I said in my somewhat email out the blue to you a few weeks ago, I feel like the voice at least is something that's accompanied me along the way, this journey that I've been on. So to finally sit down and speak with you about it is is somewhat surreal, but it, you know, nevertheless, fantastic opportunity. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And it, as I've said, it's great to meet you. I think a lot of people and possibly my position may have a bit of an imposter syndrome when I read the roll call of people who have been on your show and I'm in awe of you and, and all of their achievements and you know who am I I'm just a sort of a guy from a, you know a small town in, <laughs> in the UK and but um, you know nevertheless started on this endeavor so it's a great opportunity to, to share with you so yeah I think like most swimmers my start was an inauspicious one it w- consisted of my parents specifically my my wonderful mother um taking me and my two brothers to our local baths, as they called them in the UK then, or the swimming pool. Um, but they were named the public baths, uh, Sutton in Ashfield, public baths, and literally, you know, sort of marching us to the water's edge with a real old school teacher at, at the time. This is back in when I was probably about five years old, so 1985. But I think it was a case of almost sort of sink or swim, you know, get in, get in the water and and off you go. And it progressed from there. So I've managed to dig out, as all parents tend to do, and they found all my old swimming badges. And I've got my feet, obviously the people listening couldn't see Yeah, Yeah, you'll have to describe what we're saying. (laughs) Yes, that is my first ever badge, if you can see that. That uh, successfully completed 10 metres, right? (laughs) That's it. That is it, my first ever badge of 10 meters which was in October 1986 yeah I was six years old and I got my 10 meter badge which was apparently quickly followed by a 25 meter badge um now I don't propose to go through every single uh, <laughs> meter which <laughs> we may be here for some time but it sort of quickly became apparent if not to myself that I, I just loved being in the water mm-hmm. and I think that's apparent from listening to a lot of people on here some people learn to swim and they learn to swim because it's maybe something that they've been pushed into or or, you know you need to do it for a life skill which is really really important I believe but I think a common thread or theme for people especially on this podcast are they not only have they got in just for that that reason but they they've felt a connection with the water immediately and it wasn't a sort of a revelatory moment I don't think for me it was nothing as grand as that it was just something that I enjoyed doing and I think I've got to credit my uh, my dad a lot for that as well um Nigel who took me and my 
two brothers to another swimming pool and just sort of used to most weekends mess around with us in the pool and got us you know so we just we enjoyed the water it was a source of you know real fun for us and a connection with him and because he worked a lot during the week and it was one of the only times where we got to see him so it was a real time of bonding with him and it did give me some psychological issues the rest of my life because he'd pretend to be a shark and (laughs) (laughs) try and get us in the water so I've had that swimmer's fear you know irrational fear of being in a pool so you know it was just a a fantastic time um, to be in the water and we used to look forward to it so jumping forward not too far but in the space of two years I found this uh, or my mum sent me that Oh, Marathon Fun Swim, 1988. So just five miles. Wow. So you went from just puddling around the 10 meter achievement to five miles. Tell us how you got there. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it it was a case of just continuing swimming and and continuing in that environment. And yeah, and that was it. I joined as soon as I was able to join the swimming club, uh, the local swim team. And I swam butterfly because nobody else wanted to. Um, I think you find that in a lot of swim A lot of the marathon swimmers, yeah, they did those events that no one else wanted to do. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Just personality trait, I think. (laughs) That's it, that's it. And I did uh, freestyle as well. And to no great standard, I eventually progressed into county-level swimming, probably 15, 16 years old. I was at that level. Uh, swimming so you know it it involved quite a bit of training uh, before you know swim meets before school and uh, after school and at weekends and the other sessions we used to do on weekends were life-saving sessions and again it was just great fun Mm -hmm. I really looked forward to it because the teachers and the coaches just made it so much it was obviously very serious and, and I do recall that by no means was it a a chance to turn up and mess about in the water not at all it, it, you know it was a a chance to go and enjoy yourself but you know with an underlying serious message and again that that stuck with me and imbued a sense of respect for the water at a very early age because you know not only should you enjoy it but you, you've got to respect it especially open water swimmers for me i grew up around pools and open water was much later for me but was the life-saving, were you then like teaching lessons and doing lifeguarding and things like that at the pool? Or was it was just something they taught to teenagers at these as part of the weekend events? But you didn't necessarily do it like for a job or, I don't know, how, what was it like for you in the UK? That's a very good question, actually, because it wasn't part of any design to be a pool lifeguard. The reason being, I just wanted to be in the water. Because the lifeguards were always out the water, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to be one of those in the water, and I just remember they, you know, they they they'd be always sat watching the water. But funnily enough, it did lead to me be, being a beach lifeguard when I was twenty-one years old, and I just left university. That's great. But you're not really swimming at this point, or are you just swimming for fun? That's right. It was about seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, and I my um, I started playing soccer a bit more and those kinds of sort of activities and mountain biking and things generally where I didn't have to be in a pool for at six in the morning became my predominant interests so 
I think just before university, so I went to university at the age of 18 to the age of 21, I think I stopped swimming altogether. Oh, yeah. It's common, I feel like, for some people. <laughs> That's it. I just, just, I just didn't do it at all. And I had, had no desire to, to, you know, to swim. It was my sort of uh, introduction to open water swimming. And I think this feeds into that, that mantra, you know, about enjoying the water and what, what it gives you. We had some fantastic teachers at my school who were really into, or a few of them were into their outdoor pursuits, which wasn't a, a, a real sort of common thing at the, the school I went to and, and, and the sort of area I grew up in. And they were, as I've said, they were really into, you know, sort of getting out and into a, it's a place, um, I'm sure you've heard of the Lake District in the UK. And every year they take uh, a select few students who wanted to go and it would end up only being out of, a, you know, a, a school of maybe you know, a thousand people. There'd only be about 20 who wanted to go. And uh, I remember going with my, uh, with my cousin and uh, a few friends and we went to a place called Luffrig Farm which is near a place, Luffrig Tarn. And it's a beautiful tarn lake, small lake. Um, not a lake as in, you know, the, I imagine in the US would, would consider a lake because of the, the, the size. Size, you know, but, yeah. We yeah, might call it a pond it, here. I don't know. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but it, it, we would go ostensibly in the morning to have a wash. You know, the, 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 that was the, the fun of it. You know, they take us and we'd go down and we'd all jump in and have a, you know, that would be our wash for the day. I remember we we all went down there. It was a really nice day and, and one of those where mists rising off the, you know, on the water. And I remember jumping in from some rocks and friends, all my friends were there and they were clinging to these rocks and dipping the toes in and, you know, because they'd not, they did they weren't swimmers you, you know to, to put it shortly whereas I was and and I had the freedom to swim out and I remember swimming out into the middle of this 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 tarn and just looking around and being just amazed at this I was 15 maybe 14 15 just having this freedom fast forwarding again and and you know I had that period of time and where I where I didn't swim and just going back to the lifeguard story, uh, a friend of mine, uh, well, my best friend, very good friend of mine, Toby, um, he went to the university in a place called Swansea in Wales, which has got a um, some beautiful beaches. Um, there's a swim that you can do, a channel swim, actually, between North Devon and South Wales called the Bristol Channel Swim. Um, and I think that's one of the original Triple Crown. Toby, he'd finished for the summer and he got a job with the local council and he said, oh, I've seen a, an advert for beach lifeguards. They're looking for beach lifeguards. And bearing in mind, I'd never properly swam in the sea at this point. I was 21 years old. I'd swam in the sea, but I'd never properly swam any distance at all. So, again, with the sort of impetuousness of, uh, of youth or, or <laughs> a bit older at that time, I, I said, Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll apply. I'm sure I'll get the job. And, you know, that's it. That's us for the summer. And Swansea's, you know, quite away from Nottingham. So I, I went down to stay with him. I, I applied for the job. You had to do a, um, a, I think it was a half a mile sea swim in under 12 minutes, I think it was. And then you had to do some running on the beach. You had to do all your 
update all your your safety qualifications and life-saving qualifications mine had lapsed because you know i'd not but that didn't take long to sort of do it it was the, the sea swim um because i turned up on the beach and i had a pair of shorts and goggles and there were all these kids and uh, people my age some a bit older who i eventually got to know most of them who were what a great group of people i mean absolutely fantastic locals and honestly they took me under their wing so much it was just fantastic but i turned up on the beach on the first this first training session they're all in their wetsuits you know all sort of looking like you know professionals and i'm like i've got a pair of shorts not even jammers or trunks they were just shorts and i sort of swam out into caswell bay on the gower peninsula and sort of thinking, what am I doing? You know. Anyway, I started swimming. And when I got back to the beach, Toby, who'd come down with me, he said there were a few spotters on the beach, um, part of the lifeguard crew, that was keeping an eye on me. And I kept disappearing from view, allegedly. And they thought they were going to have to send somebody out for me. But again, I think a bit of determination in me. I, I just wouldn't give up. I had to resort to breaststroke a couple of times. Um, I swam over a huge lion's mane. It didn't get me, but I remember looking down thinking, you know, what is that? That, that I need to speed up a bit because I don't want to get <laughs> caught by that. And I did it. I did it in uh, about 11 minutes, 53 seconds. <laughs> the cutoff was 12. And then I had a fantastic summer, you know, sort of beach lifeguarding. It was absolutely it was fantastic. It just sort of, reiterated and, and reminded me of this connection with the water if that doesn't sound too you know trite or, or or whatever what is swim freedom it's the freedom to start swimming when you don't think you have the skill ability or time the freedom to swim with ease the freedom to enjoy your time in the water the freedom to swim further than you ever thought possible. What's holding you back? Let's talk about it. Shannon at intrepidwater.com. Were you just swimming like kind of to maintain your lifeguard ability or were you doing any kind of distancing swimming at this point? No, no distancing. It was, it was literally a case of going and, and, I think I did that swim on pure muscle memory. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was just getting in and going, well, I can swim, so surely <laughs> I can do this, you know. And after three strokes and three mouthfuls of water. <laughs> Seawater, right? <laughs> yeah. You think, right, okay. Um, <laughs> this is a bit different. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, it, I just I remember finishing it and thinking, what a sense of achievement. And what an opportunity gave me. But again, from then on, I, I didn't really swim again, probably until I moved to Manchester that I started swimming. What was the impetus to go back to the water? It was starting to gain some popularity in the UK around then. And knowing I could swim, but having not swam for such a long time, I didn't have anything, you know, any grand goals in my mind. I just wanted to go and this open, this new open water swimming um, thing that, you know, I'd, I'd found and, and became aware of. And I've got one of those personalities where I sort of, I doubt it, you know, the sense of adventure. But yeah, I, I, I went and um, 
probably in somewhere around 2017, which introduced me to, and I think they've been mentioned on your podcast before, uh, Swim in Manchester. So they run one of the sessions there at uh, Dock 9 in Salford Keys. I just went down there and, and started swimming just maybe 10, 15 minutes and, and loved it. So that was it. And that it was a case of just, just continuing to go down to those sessions. And the more you go, the more you meet people, the more you talk to them, and the more you get better and you, you get a better feel for the water. And that led me on to another organization um, called Swim Smooth. And I started going, uh, again, getting sort of knowing familiar faces. And I they started talking between themselves about some of the swims they were doing, 10-kilometer swims, you know. And it, it honestly, it blew my mind that, somebody could swim 10 kilometers that's that's mind-blowing that somebody can do that in open water and stay in the water for three hours and or, or whatever but it also gave me this huge sense of or it appealed to my sense of adventure because some of the locations they talk about it just sounded you know amazing and i remember one one guy had done the alcatraz swim what a fantastic swim and and there are challenges with that but that's not a huge distance is it only like a mile and a half or something. It's not that far, but it's more there's currents and it, you're in the bay and yeah, and Zalcatra, whatever. There's yeah, there's a lot of it's iconic in some way that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when the the, the guy mentioned it, um, again, I was just in awe these challenges that people did or can do and and were doing. And I, I continued with the squads, and then of course, what happened um, was COVID at the start of 2020 when I was just getting you know into finding my water wings again and you know uh, going to the sessions regularly um, your and your kids and, must have been little at this time too right yes so yes how are you finding mine. time for that <laughs> yeah well that that's it um so you just can't do any of this any uh, the endeavors that I've sort of undertaken especially the channel swim just impossible uh, without my wife you're absolutely right that Having that support network, it just would have been absolutely impossible without it. So, on that, very quickly, that with the when lockdown came, um, Lucy and Cal's continued the sessions, but we did Zoom sessions. So we did we weekly pool sessions, but by Zoom, and it was fantastic. It was just a great way for everybody to keep, you know, together and keep that sense of community. And and then eventually everything started opening up again, and you know, I. I Sort of because we were outdoors at Salford Keys with you swim, I continued that as soon as I was able to. So I was able to pick it up quite quickly again and get not huge distances in. But I would, by this point, I'd sort of done a, you know maybe two, three, four kilometers. I'd got up to, and I went on another hero of, of sort of um, my channel swim is my brother-in-law called uh, Ari, who crewed for me. Is a story behind that um, <laughs> because it, we went on a camping trip to the lakes, typical August bank holiday weather with an at tail end of an Atlantic storm had blown in. And the plan was to camp um, at a beautiful campsite between Buttermere and Crummock Water, which are two of the lakes, the northern lakes, smaller ones. Um, everybody's familiar with, you know, Windermere, which is the, the 10 and a half mile where I did my qualifier. And, and there are other lakes 
bigger than Buttermere. Buttermere is two kilometres. Crummock is four kilometres uh, long. Um, but there's no motorcraft allowed on those two lakes. Um, they're sort of they're part of the pristine lakes, as they say. So um, there are conditions in being there. You can swim them, but you need a licence for any craft on there. So I found this gentleman, Tony McKenzie, and because I didn't have a canoe, my brother-in-law didn't have a canoe, and we're thinking, how do I swim this this lake without, a, you know, because because I'd heard about on, on your podcast, you need a, a support boat, and um, I wasn't going to do I was going to do it properly. You know, I should sort of add in there, I, about around this time when I'd started thinking and taking it seriously, I'd started dabbling, you know, dipping my toe in the podcast world and, you know, and different ones and, Anyway, we, we hired a canoe off, off Tony, told him why we wanted it and what you know, what we were thinking and what I was thinking of doing. Because in I was in that was that's what prompted it. In June 2020, I bit the bullet and I emailed a boat captain, a boat pilot for the channel. Because I'd done a bit of research beforehand and I'd mentioned it to a few colleagues at work who were swimmers, the guy who was going with me and I could tell they were sort of humoring me because I'd suggested a relay. You know, let's swim the channel, guys. We can all swim. Let's, you know, how about a relay? And yeah, 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 of course, let's do it. But with no real enthusiasm about, you know, behind it. So I just thought, well, I'd want to do it. It's something I've always thought about. And I have this sort of, I, I was sort of quite apprehensive about the challenge. You know, it scared me, you know, to put it bluntly. And it was it was a ridiculous notion almost to swim the channel at that time. But I'd, I'd been around enough people and heard about these swims and I thought, well, why not just give it a go? You know, so I emailed the boat pilot and heard nothing more. I emailed a guy called Kevin Sherman, who uh, pilots the Connemara out of Folkestone. And yeah, that was it. That was June 2020. I sort of forgot all about it then. You know, because I'd, you have to book a tide, as you know, two years in advance and COVID, obviously. So that, you know, people were sort of trying to get on their swims. And I just thought because um, Karen had put me in touch, Karen uh, Quartermain, Karen and Dave run You Swim. Karen had, had mentioned this was the pilot they ordinarily use and he's great and, uh, and, and what have you. And yeah, absolutely right. So I just emailed him. She said maybe pick two or three. But. I, I thought, well, no, I'm just going to go for this one. And if he doesn't get back to me, he doesn't get back to me. I don't swim the channel. There you go. Forget it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so I did that. And um, as I said, we, we, we planned this swim, me and my brother-in-law in Buttermere. He very gamely came along with his friend and he absolutely poured it down for, you know, the whole weekend, pretty much. My swim wasn't too bad when I started, but it was the first time I'd swam in open water in a lake without a safety boat per se. I mean, I have my brother-in-law, as I've said, but at Salford Keys that you swim, they have, you know, proper safety boats and, and canoeists and, you know, paddle boarders and, and, and a proper motorboat looking out for you. And there's also, you know, maybe 200 other swimmers in the water going around at the same time. So you never feel like, you know. In that by yourself. <laughs> yeah, this is it. So I did that swim, but I remember getting in and, and see, you know, I was skins by this time, I was swimming skins by this time. Because up until that point, I've been swimming open water in a wetsuit because I was doing a lot more winter swimming, um, like New Year's Day. You swim doing a New Year's Day swim and, um, you know, getting in 
five degree water for uh, you know as long as you can bear it so but that was all wetsuit assisted so I can't remember when it was exactly but the first time I took it off I don't think I've put it on again since really so I did this swim and I remember pushing off from shore and swimming out and all of a sudden I couldn't see the bottom you know and it was cold a bit choppy and I thought you know the cold water shock plus this apprehension I just had to stop turn around grab my um, swim safety table and Aaron had just sort of caught up and he said you everything all right and I was like, yeah yeah fine you know I'm just just taking it all in and you know, I didn't <laughs> want to say to him I'd sort of dragged him all this way and his friend that I don't know if I want to do this you know I don't know if I've sort of I've got it in me but I sort of put that thought to one side I don't know what it was again I think we're all the same we're probably all us open water swimmers have that who've gone any distance there is that moment where you say what, what you know what am I doing why am I here I don't have to be I could be somewhere much more you know warm and cozy and cup of tea eating some cake with your feet up <laughs> watching some <laughs> football <laughs> exactly that exactly I remember two swimmers went off before me in wetsuits and fully you know wetsuit hats and gloves and boots I was just there in my uh, in my jammers you know and I, I swam one way the plan was to do two way but the chop really picked up on the second half as I said this Atlantic, tail end of this Atlantic storm came in and the weather really worsened but those the two they wouldn't know this at the time but I could, I could see their um, floats you know the, the, the fluorescent orange in the distance I was sort of at least if they're in here in the here they're doing it I can do it anyway we got to the other end and they were sort of drying off and I got out and sort of looking at them. have you just done that in skins <laughs> I was like yeah uh, I've no idea of the water temperature but it was cold you know it was <laughs> it's very cold but anyway yeah that was that was the first sort of swim outside the confines of Salford Keys yeah it's a big deal especially if you've got the channel on your horizon <laughs> well exactly that exactly that so then I, I through 2020 I carried on swimming and I then got into 2021 um, I was just you know carrying on doing relatively far distances in my mind at the time 5k swims maybe a 7k swim or you know what have you but never I'd never got to that marathon swim in my mind 10k you know that was it I wasn't a marathon swimmer I would not I purposely and I, I couldn't ever refer to myself as a marathon because I've not done a marathon swim I've not hit a 10k and I think it was probably sometime in early 2021 so it was in December 20 I think I contacted Karen and I said look I emailed Kevin Sherman and I want to swim the channel she was like right great here's I can do a plan for you just tell me what you want from us we'll put something together and we'll take it from there so they did they put together a plan and they sent through well not not a swim plan but a, a proposal of what they were doing what we do and the associated costs of that and that sort of made me think this is a real undertaking you know this isn't something I can just say yeah why not give it a go if if it happens it happens if not you know it's nothing ventured nothing gained it was a real commitment time financial I have a demanding job I had at the time working all hours two young children um Ivy would have been my youngest would have been maybe 18 months Carmen five um of course home life was was very very busy 
and the most understanding, forgiving wife that you possibly wish for, who, you know, once I said it to her, she knew that's what I was going to do. And I've heard you talk about it before when you, you decided something or whatever, and you know you have that network around you. And as soon as you mention it, I've got you know, um, Marcia Cleveland's book, uh, Dover Solo, that my wife bought me. It scared me a bit, that book. When I read the training that Marcia, wow. I mean, but the distances she was talking about in there, you know, 71, 70 odd K a week, I didn't get up to that. But anyway, so I, I said to, um, said to Karen and she sent me this through and I real, really think about it. And um, Anyway, it took me till April of 2021 from this proposal being sent to me in December to say, yeah, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm, I'm in, I'm committed. From then on, I was on this, on this training plan that, that Karen set me because I said, look, I want you to do everything because they'll do milestone swims for you. They'll, they'll do a plan, a weekly plan for you or, or just a milestone swim plan. Well, I said, I want everything. You know, I'm a typical guy. I just want everything doing for me and I'll do it. But I just want, you know, <laughs> you can tell do you what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Had you heard from the boat? Did you have a date at this point yet? No, no, no you're just no. training. Yeah. Yeah. It's just training. I've not heard at all. Karen asked me, she knew, have you heard from him? And I said, no, she said, don't worry. He'll be busy. He'll be taking people out. He'll have got it. But you'll probably get an email maybe later in the year in 2021, which turned out to be the case. And it was April 2021 when I really start when I started my plan. Um, and I think it was a 40 minute swim in the Keys. It was nine degrees in the water. Um, so what's that? That's 48.2 Fahrenheit, as I understand it. And it sort of progressed from there. First of May, I did. Uh, again, the first milestone swim, that was a 40-minute swim, 30-minute on land, and then a 50-minute swim. So we'd sort of, you know, break up your session. That was 11 degrees, 51.8 Fahrenheit. So again, quite cold. And then the first big swim in my training plan was on the 15th of May in 2021, which was a two-hour swim, two-hour non-stop swim. 12 degrees, the water, so 53 Fahrenheit. And I was cold. The first hour I did a fed after an hour and I was shivering. I can remember just really shivering. So I've got another hour of this. It was painful. It was you know, everything that we've all been through on those kinds of swims. You know, why again, why am I doing this? What's you're in Salford Keys going round? And I do, I was swimming with a few other swimmers who we were doing um, a bit longer, you know, and I just was looking at them enviously. They, they were just like, yes, obviously they, climatized into maybe two three year plans and there were some channel swimmers in there who'd done it a few years previous and i just remember looking at them in um, awe regarding them in awe because they were just able to do it one of the guys who did it danny ralph i just thought was this absolute machine he'd done a few channel swims he actually did a canoe pilot for me on a 10-hour swim that i did in bournemouth uh, in june this year so you know it all came round. you know circle at this time i sort of nobody was standoffish but i was just in awe of these people i was like whoa you know and i got out after two hours and couldn't speak karen had to tie my shoelaces for me uh you know i was sort of (laughs) you know we've we've been there and and i remember thinking oh great you know i've done it and and then i saw karen the next week and she said oh yeah you you were really cold weren't you after that last uh, last week and yeah I, i was it was a real 
And again, at that time, you're thinking, how can I swim for 12, 14, 15 hours in temperatures that may be like this? Such a long way. So, as in the distance from doing two hours and to, to that. Conceptually, I think it's very difficult for you to see that. Yeah. And you have to believe that the course you're on will, you know, will get you there. And that's, that takes a huge leap of faith. I think there's a lot of people that they don't even get into the two hour swim, nonetheless, you know, stick with it. So what do you think it takes to (laughs) to, to just keep at it? (laughs) Yeah. Very good question. Number one, there has to be an intrinsic desire for you to want to do those things. Without that, it will not happen. I'm a believer it will not happen. You can have all the external um, motivation in the world, quotes and people you know, training you in this, but if it's not there internally, it will not happen. Um, you've got to want to do it. And, and that's a, like you said, that's a, that's a real sort of conceptual leap um, to do it. And I just wouldn't have done it without the support of those sort of people around me and knowing that there was, but having this, and again, I think it, this this mantra has been mentioned on the pod, this podcast before, is trust the process. Mm-hmm. Karen would drum that into me. She'd done this plan for me, and she said to me, this plan has got channel swimmers across. If you follow this plan, you will swim the channel. And it was an investment from her, from me, from other people at Swim, of course, your family and, and everything, that to buy in wholeheartedly to that process and I didn't overswim you know like I said when I read Dover Solo I was thinking well why am I not doing 71k a week you know I'm doing 20 26 maybe 28 maximum and I I had these fears and and again these imposter sort of syndrome as well I'm not you know doing that and will I ever get to do that but I did I, I absolutely trusted you know the process so yeah, I had all these swims, these various milestone swims and building up, you know, into the winter. Uh, and again, I stopped all open water swimming from September, I think, to April in 2021 to 2022, because you can't get any distance in the UK in, well, uh, in, in most places, in water of 10 degree left or less. You, there's just no point because you'll be in it for 10, 15 minutes. And you know, my plan was building distance, technique well, that you can do in the pool, sort of back in the pool. And I made sure I think I was doing between four and five sessions a week, varying distance between maybe 18 to 28 kilometers of various drills, um, speed sets and what have you. And I just, I just made sure I didn't miss a session. And again, you know, thanks to my wife for putting up with that, because again, without that support from her, enabling me to do this and we've all got that to an extent that support behind you how 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 would I manage to do that you know it's not just the swimmer buying into this whole thing there's a whole whether whether it's vocal support or support that doesn't show itself easily or or easily you know whether purposely or not there's got to be support around the swimmer fast forward to to this year and you know the sort of building up of the open water and did my qualifier in October last year which was a six hour swim in Windermere it was 13.8 degrees which is 55 Fahrenheit so I did the swim got out 
finished at about five o'clock and then I had to pick Carmen up from gymnastics an hour and 45 minutes away. So jump in the car, quick shower. You know, I didn't feel too bad, thankfully, and drive home an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes to pick her up. And then you sit with all the other parents, you know, who were picking their children up and you don't say anything because why would you walk in and say, I've just done a six hour qualifier. In right. 30, yeah. You know, but yeah, very surreal. You know, so life had to sort of work in tandem. And it's, it's a difficult thing to do. So anyway, yeah, I sort of did that. And then I had my other milestone swims. One was an eight-hour overnight swim in Windermere. And by this point, I was sort of really building up the distance. So I was fine. When did you settle on the boat and then take us there? <laughs> so, yes, I got the date through eventually. The 27th of June, which happened to be my wife's birthday. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know what we're doing for your birthday? Oh, I'm doing for your birthday next year. I'm swimming the channel. Hooray. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was rather amusing. Um anyway, we we got the date through and I planned my crew. My it was going to be my brother, uh, my personal trainer, Callum, um, which sounds very grand, but I go and see him once a week. I do calisthenics. I swear by calisthenics. And then my brother, younger brother, phones me, Jonathan, he says, because uh, he hurt his knee uh, playing football, soccer. He had to have an operation. Um, and it was three weeks before my boat, uh, my tide. He said, oh, I'm, you know, I might be all right. I said, you will not be all right by then. So anyway, I had to go back to Ari because originally I was asking my brother-in-law, Ari, to go on the boat. And then I had to sort of say to him, no, I've got somebody else. And that was a bit awkward. And then I had to phone him up. I knew he'd be all right. But nevertheless, he did. You know, as I said, he was one of the heroes of the swim. And yeah, he agreed to be my um, my crew. So originally it was me. Karen, Callum, and Aaron on the boat. And then there was Graham Miller, who was uh, the observer, and Kevin Sherman, who was the pilot. So I booked an Airbnb in Folkestone for the 26th, which was a Sunday, through to the 30th June, which was my birthday. Because I thought, that'll be it. I'll be on the way home celebrating or not, as the case may be. I booked this Airbnb, and we get down there. First day, Aaron comes down with DNV. You know what DNV is, yeah? Uh, sickness and diarrhea, basically. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. Caught it from his, <laughs> his child. The worst thing for a swimmer. I could have coped with a cold, a cough, but that, uh, you know, gastroenteritis or anything like that, you uh, you just can't do it. You know, so we, Aaron, bless him, was panicking, and you know, he sort of kept himself away from me. It was just me and him in the DNV apartment. Luckily, it had. Two separate bathrooms. And <laughs> yeah. He was disinfecting everything, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, just pleased. Every time I ate something, I thought, Do I feel ill, or is that okay? You know. Anyway, that swim got blown out, so there wasn't a. Yeah, I couldn't get a tide um, because even though we went down there and the, the weather was absolutely fantastic, you know, we couldn't get tide. Again, just <laughs> I've got to go back. Just the two weeks before the swim, I did a week in Bournemouth with Durley Sea Swims, a group down there. And Ali, who runs that, ended up saving the day for my crew. She's swam the channel before. She's done loads of crewing. Um, Ali Budnikovic, um, she was 11th hour hero. So I did a week down in Bournemouth, fantastic weather. Bournemouth on the south coast in, in the UK. Beautiful beach. And I was there for five days, I think. And I did a five-hour swim. It was split, two and a half. That was Monday. Tuesday, I did a six-hour swim. Wednesday was a break. Didn't do anything. And then 
Thursday was a 10 hour swim. And Karen had given me all these pointers about we one of my sessions in the pool was a two hour swim and you get faster every every half an hour. And she said the last half an hour, that's when you're pushing for France. Visualize that, you know. So I did on this this 10 hour swim, I got to the eighth hour and I really pushed it. You know, so I'd done ever all the training that had been asked of me when I sort of arrived in Folkestone. Um, met Kevin for the first time and you know we we got chatting and this, that, and the other. We got blown out, so we had to go back to drive back to Manchester, which is a five-hour drive, five and a half hour drive from Folkestone, to sit and wait it out. You know, I was back at work, I had to go back to work um because I'd booked off those days. I went back early, so I didn't use up all my leave because I'd used that week of leave up. Again, just things like that, using your week, using your exactly, annual leave. Right? Of not going on holiday with your family, mm-hmm. you know. And anyway, it got to a couple of days before and the, obviously the anticipation is building and you're getting quite nervous about it and, and what have you. And you've been blown out and people say, oh, don't worry, you look ready, you, you know, this, that and the other. But you just never feel as if you are. And you just don't know what's going to happen until, until you're on the day. So just before, it was on the Friday, I think it was, the Friday after the swim should have been. And I got a call from Dave Portmain, um, Karen's wife, who's another fantastic you know one of the coaches down at you swim and he gave me some really bad news because in my mind I couldn't do the swim without Karen on the boat I just couldn't because she'd been there that every step you know she'd been there with everything all the training I couldn't envisage it without her and anyway he unfortunately gave me some some bad news and some personal circumstances come up and I remember coming off the phone thinking you know straight on the phone to my wife and told her and I was, I was like what do I do and she said, you just carry on. You just do it. You've done the training. Karen will be there for you, this, you know, and, and, and she was. But anyway, so I, and uh, then Callum couldn't make it because he'd taken. So of my original crew, I only had one. So I was thinking all best laid plans because I'm a bit of a planner. So, yeah, I, I arrived on the day, and, but Karen phoned me and she said, look, you remember Ali from, uh, from Bournemouth, from Dirty Sea Swim? She can do it at last minute. She can come down and crew for you. And I mean, what a lifesaver, you know, literally so stepping in at the 11th hour and agreeing to do that. She lives down in almost about an hour and a half to two hours, maybe from Folkestone. So she, she came down. So I got the call on the following Sunday, which was the 4th of July and 12 o'clock lunchtime. Karen phoned me and said, right, Kevin's phoned me. You're on. You're swimming at one o'clock tonight. Oh, wow. I was in Manchester. <laughs> so. Yeah, Mr. Planner out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Test your planning, this open water swimming does. (laughs) It really does. So a message to anybody out there who's thinking about it and, you know, plan by all means, have it to the letter, you know, but be prepared for it all to go out the window at the last minute because invariably it will. And I'd read the stories and I'd listened on podcast about, you know, the channel and it, 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 well, all channel swims because you're in open water, you're in the ocean. It doesn't go by your set times. <laughs> yep. I think that's half the appeal for planner people, planner types, is that like we need to be tempered, you know, like without what consciously we want to plan it all and control it all. But like there's something about us that kind of requires the like face that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. It, that That's exactly right. And it, and it sort of it did throw me. I, I, I really did. But when Karen, as I said, she phoned me up and, and in the circumstances that, you know, just above and beyond and, and told me she got Ali and, and everything would be fine. 
it meant me phoning Aaron, my brother-in-law, and saying, right, we need to be in Folkestone tonight. <laughs> We're in Manchester, five and a half hour drive. And by the way, can you drive so I can have a nap? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. So again, what you know, what a hero sort of, yeah, he's fine. Let's do it. Come around when you're ready and we'll go. And we did. Got down to Folkestone, I think at about six o'clock in the evening. So we got down there and we sat at the harbour in the car. I had a little, I had a little nap, as you said, and not really, you know, a fitful sort of sleep. It wasn't a sleep. It was, no. you know, you sort of lay Just there. Close your eyes. Go. That's all you can do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And I had, I think, you know, maybe a bit of food, maybe a bowl of porridge. And then we sat and waited for a pilot to arrive, um, which he did, I think, as I said, about maybe about nine, ten-ish at the harbour in Folkestone. It was a nice day, which was good. But again, you, all you can think about is I've got this swim at one in the morning. I'm setting off at one in the morning. You know, what is going, what's going to happen? Gets to about 12 o'clock and we got on the boat. We set off from Folkestone Harbour to near Samphire just below uh, Abbott's Cliff, I think, from where Marcia Cleveland set off from those, that the same beach, I think, or I was just maybe just a bit further down the coast. And I remember it was sort of pitch black, one in the morning. They put the lights on me, greased me up, Aaron greased me up. They shone the torch, uh, the spotlight into the water, and that's all you could see. See the headlights, you know, the lights on on the the cliffs, but nothing else. But you've got no time to think, am I going to do this? or Because Kevin, the pilot, you know, again, they've been there and done it. You know, sort of many they times. They, every they, person who's like, exactly. They're just like, push you off. Like, come yeah, on. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly that. What are you waiting for? Uh, nothing. It's not going to warm know, up. A, <laughs> exactly. This is just the biggest undertaking of my life. But anyway, you know, I'll get it. But, you know, it's like, get in, come on. So um, he was never that brusque, but he was, you know, it was just a, an everyday thing for them. That's what they did, you know, get in the water. Come on. Swim to the beach there. Can you see it? No. I'll just head for the wheel. We'll point the light in the direction of where you need to swim. But I remember getting in and thinking, temperature's not too bad. This is all right. You know, I, I, I'm okay. It was 16 degrees on the day, which is 60.8 Fahrenheit. Anyway, get in the water and I was swimming to the beach and I could sort of see this little spotlight that they, they were aiming at the beach. I was trying to head for that. But of course, it's quite a big chop. It's high tide. You can't time your breathing because you can't see the waves. You're getting smacked in the face with sort of weight, you know, every other second, every other breath. And you haven't even started yet. <laughs> haven't even started yet. And you think, what, what, what is going on? You're so disorientated. Couldn't see the beach, but I could hear under the water the waves crashing on the pebble beach. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, just aim for that. Just aim for where that sound's coming from. So I just put my head down and just sort of swam, you know, maybe, I don't know, it's only a couple of minutes. And I, I didn't actually get, you know, swim up onto the beach. The the wave just sort of regurgitated me onto the beach. You know, the the, the wave spat me out onto the beach, and I was like, oh, you know, there it is. There's the shore, face full of pebbles. And I was like, this, you know, I don't in mind this glorious start to a channel swim, but no, nothing of the sort. <laughs> <laughs> face full of pebbles, and then you get to go back out in it. <laughs> That's it. So you stand clear. Horn goes. And they said, you know, swim to the boat. So I swam to the boat, and at that time, I, I was aware there were other boats out. As it turned out, there were 10 other boats out on the day. I got in and you're swimming out to the boat and you're thinking, uh, I, how, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. You know, this, wow, 
but I've ha- you have that on pretty much most of your big swims, I think. And I'd visualised on each of my swim, even going around Salford Keys, I'd visualised finishing, getting all scratched up on Category A. I'd, I'd sort of, you know, that was coming into the end of a six-hour swim in Salford Keys. I was like, this is how it's going to feel, you know, and at the end of it. And I thought, I've just got to put all that to good use. I've, you know, all of this training, I'm, I'm physically able to do this. So I gave myself a little milestone. I swim to my first feed. If you want to give up at your first feed, sit. you never do. You never would, no. but you've got it in your mind. You've got to get out, yeah. yep. You know, so I did that and I got to my first feed and my next feed, or no, sorry, my me- next milestone, not my next feed, because then I dropped my feed still every hour, was swim to the sunrise. But I knew it was going to be a nice day. It, the, the weather forecast was it was going to be a lovely day, clear skies. It, because of, and, and again, I've heard on this, this podcast uh, and in books about this channel sunrise. I was like, swim to that. You owe yourself to see this sunrise. And it was everything that is had been described. It was absolutely, it was magical. It really was. It was, you had the dawn, you know, just this soft light of dawn comes up from the east. You don't see the sun. You know, it's like that twilight for sort of just maybe an hour or two. Um, gradually gets lighter and lighter. And it, it's mesmeric. It really is. And it just that psychological boost of knowing the sun is about to sort of pop over the horizon is just i, I couldn't say how much of a boost that you know that was to, the, to, to me at the time and it, w- it was everything that i'd heard it was just just absolutely beautiful it really was and then of course that everything starts lighting up around you and you start seeing the outline of the people on the boat and you start thinking and, and i had this in my mind how lucky am i to be doing this this is an absolute privilege. I'm the luckiest you know, person in the world being able to, to do this now. And I had that mindset because above anything, I was saying to myself, not just in there, not just in this channel, but on other big swims, on my eight-hour swim and my Bournemouth swims, enjoy the process. Not just trust the process, enjoy the process. So anyway, going back, and I'm, I'm sort of the sunrise and, and, I, and it comes up and it is everything that they say. You know, it, it, it is magical. And after the sun had come up, in my mind, the next thing that I did, psychological trick, was I split the remainder of the swim up into sort of the maximum of swimming. I, I split it into, say, four four-hour swims. I didn't expect to be swimming that long, but I thought, well, a four-hour swim, I can do that easily. That's not, you know, that's, that's nothing. So you do that, uh, but it, I mean, it helped massively, but by this time the sea had calmed down a lot because the chop in the first two hours was quite, three hours was, was quite quite bad. Anyway, I, it, the water calmed down, the sun came up, and I, I was in that mind frame of this is just the best thing ever. I was, I was swimming with a smile on my face. Jellies, in terms of the jellies, I was always a bit, because I'd never been stung by a jelly up until that point. Uh, so I'm swimming along anyway, and Felt a nettle sting on my shin. Sorry, on my calf. I'm like, oh, right, okay, there you go. You know, I'd heard that jellies were there and expect it. It's going to happen. I'd seen some people with who I'd spoken to with quite bad, you know, rashes. Carry on swimming. Next one on my forearm. I felt it. Oh, well, you know, like a nettle sting. That's fine. And so I'm having a bit of a joke. Okay, you've got me now. That's enough. You know, in your head, you do. Then the next one, I feel a big one on my shoulder big sort of splat on my shoulder i'm like well it's getting a bit close now guys you know, <laughs> come on. let's let's 
you know, give it, give it, give it a rest, please. And as I said that, I looked up and I got one smack oh. in the face. Yeah. Um, luckily, it wasn't a bad sting. It was just, it just felt a bit, like I say, a bit of a, a nettle rash across my face. Yeah, man. But I was in the mindset that I just went right. That is it, guys. You, you know, come on. You've You're had making your fun. it a game, right? <laughs> Correct. I was like, you know, because I was almost anticipating it. I was always sort of not looking forward to it because that's totally the wrong sort of. Thing. I was sort of like, right, come on, where are these jelly? You know, let's do it, get it over with. And that point, I was like, right, that's enough. You know, I don't want any more. You, you've had your fun. Leave me alone. And they, I didn't get one more for the whole. And that was that was maybe four or five hours into the swim. So, yeah, I then had sort of uh, after the sunrise, I had an eight-hour period of just brilliant swimming. Not me being a brilliant swimmer, just brilliant swimming. I was holding something back. I always sort of do because, you know, in all my CSS tests, Karen and Kaz uh, and sorry, and Lucy would always say, you're holding something back. What is it? You know, don't, you know, but I always would anyway. So I had this eight hour period of just glorious weather, you know, sightseeing in the channel, you know, big containers and ferries and all of this sort of going by me and everything that you, you know, you hear about on these swims, keeping up, you know, doing my, getting my feeds in, maybe 30 second feeds or um you know maximum of a minute if i because i had some naproxen before i set off which is relatively strong painkillers you know so that would keep me pain free in inverted commas for 10 hours or whatever because i had a little niggle in my shoulder again not uncommon to, <laughs> to <laughs> right. swimmers um so I, I i continued on the the swim as i've said it was just just water sparkling and, and all of this um, the feeds were coming. Ali and and Aaron had got over his little bout of seasickness to start with, only a little bit, because he was disorientated. He said in in the darkness, I and mean, I can imagine because they say look at the horizon, he couldn't see it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ali, I mean, what a fantastic you know support she was. She was able to decide things like when to drop my feeds and you know to shorten my feeds from four hundred mil because I, I was taking four hundred mil of Maxim. No, I was doing 400 up until like the week before the channel. And then I decided I'd do four, 500. That's just too much in one feed because I was sort of trying to take it all, but I couldn't get it. Yeah, I had them every hour and then they dropped me to 45 minutes with um, about, I think it was about two and a half hours to go to the coast. To, you, know, you can see Cap Grenet, can't you? You, know, you? You have heard the stories. You can see France, you know, for about five hours before you hit it. Comes into view and you're like, there it is. The end is in sight and it's not, you know, you've got another five hours swimming, you know, and it doesn't seem to get any closer and it doesn't. And eventually I got close to the cap and you can see the lighthouse on the cap and it was to my right. And in the space of 10 minutes, it was way, I'd gone way to the left of it. I was on the right of it and I'd gone way to the left of it. And basically, short, long story short, I'd missed it. I'd missed the cap because they were trying to get me on the cap, but I'd missed it because the tides, Ali tells me, uh, told me afterwards, it, there was a really, really strong tide that picked up on uh, around the cap, an unusually strong tide. Uh, and the winds really picked up. And that was the only time when I looked up and I could see myself going and I could see the coast dropping away. And I thought, I've you know, I had a, a literally a split second, brief moment of putting my head in the water and shaking my head, thinking I'm, I'm not, not getting any closer. I've been swimming for 12 hours. I don't know what I've got left, but, it, you know, if I don't 
get a move on, I'm going to, I, you know, but then I went, there's no way I'm going to not complete this. There is no way I've got this far and I ain't getting into France. And going back to my training sessions, Karen, as I said, did, did, these, did these two hour sessions for me where you build, you build up your speed every half an hour to two hours. So I got to my last speed. Ali then said to me, Dan, I think you've got a mile left. And I knew I could do a mile in half an hour if I sprinted or it pushed. And I thought, well, I've done this every other Sunday during the winter. I, I've got this. I, I can do this. And I know what speed I knew to get in. So I did. And, and Ali's notes on the, um, she says, last speed, big push to land it, Daniel. Daniel knew it. He had his determined face on. This is it. You know, I didn't... I, I, didn't know she was taking you know <laughs> looking at my describing this but you're in that zone aren't you you know where you just think this is it you know i'm doing it and luckily enough or not as the case may be i've managed to, to get it in and land it at uh, Wissant, at the beach in Wissant, and that was it as it says in the channel notes just like that daniel is a channel swimmer just like that wow and yeah i know so it was yeah i sort of got out and looked around a few bemused as ever French tourists or, or sorry, French people or tourists looking over at you at the wall above the, the, you know, above the beach and the breakwater saying, so I think looking at you thinking, <laughs> what have you just done? And I just said, that I, guy I looks awfully it. ragged. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's not, be- he's yeah. not sunbathing. <laughs> yes. Well, this is it. This is it. And I have to sort of say of, of all the sort of motivational comments and I'm not really into that massively as in on the, the boat. You know, some people swear by those cards, and, and, and I had some, but you know, it, it might upset a few people, as in my own family, if they listen to this. But you know, I, I, it didn't really matter, you know, to, to an extent. It was like I was going to do it or not. You know, it, if a board was held up, wouldn't made a difference, um, which sounds, you know, but, but it wouldn't. Anyway, and Kevin, the pilot, I remember on the, my last feed, sort of looked out, arm on the in, on his, you know cabin looked at me and he said you're closer to france than you are england <laughs> <laughs> that was it that yeah. was all he needed to say so it just made me smile you know after you know um so anyway i landed it it's 14 hours and nine minutes ali said if it wasn't for the chop at the start and the and the bit at the end i was on for a 12 hour swim but i ended up swimming it was 53 kilometers so about 33 miles in the end and it's not, it's a, what's well, 21 miles, isn't it? Sort of the, the distance. Yeah, right, you know, right. Over yeah. the, yeah. So, um, yeah. And that, just like that, as my sort of observer's notes say, you yep. know, as a channel swimmer. <laughs> now Dan's a channel swimmer. Are you, are you planning to do anything else or uh, one and done? <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? I, I in, in my more romantic moments with this, I'm like, that's it. I found my calling. I just loved it. I just loved the whole process. I loved everything about the swim, you know, even th- that start bit, I'm going to sort of revise it a bit, but that, that first hour and a half in the dark, I just knew there was something beyond that one and a half, two hours in the dark that I was swimming towards, you know, so it, it's get, getting through it. So to answer your question, yes, um, I'd love, love uh, to do, <laughs> or thinking of not yet, you know, in a few years, because of course, family and, and, and what have you to maybe think about the North Channel um, or you know, seem like you're channel. cold just the way you talked about your training you, you were pretty good in the cold you know some people are like 
forget about it. Whereas you're like, yeah. no, I could, you, you have the right yeah. mindset, I think, to, yeah. to, to tune into that. And that, that would be an awesome accomplishment. Yeah. And Sarah's just done the two way, hasn't she? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, again, just, just brilliant, just mind blowing. And, and again, it just inspires you, those sort of things. And, you know, just listening to people on your podcast. And I'm sure she'll maybe come on and talk about it because I read her article in a magazine about it. And, you just want more of these swims because what fascinates me fascinates me about that is the temperatures and the jellies there because they're a whole different ball game to the channel. I don't, the channel wasn't easy, far from it. There's some very difficult points, but but I found it easy because I enjoyed it. And I'd done the training physically. I'd done absolutely everything possible. I trusted the process, as you know, Karen had said, and and I'd done everything asked of me and and, and what happened. So I knew you you know this you know if you've done your training you arrive on the day saying there's another uh, lady called helen hislop who goes to you swim in manchester who swam the channel last year who is an amazing lady you know she is i did a a, a lake swim in barla lake barla in wales this year as part of my training karen just threw it in i wasn't meant to do it but she there was a dropout she phoned me first of all karen said do you want this i was like yeah why not let's do it you know, so I had to drive nearly two hours to be in Wales at half nine on a Sunday morning. You know, dropping that on my wife at short notice was uh, you know, <laughs> interesting. But Helen did the state swim. We I came second in the skins category uh, in, in for my age group, um, which I was really proud of. But I, I didn't do it for that. I did. You know, it wasn't about that. It wasn't. It was just to get in another body of water and, and swim. I think Helen finished about half an hour or more be- ahead of me you know so she's she's a fantastic swimmer she really is but and she'd give me some some really good tips as well and you know it, it's just listening to those sorts of people it keeps you inspired so yeah i'd love to i'd love to do another swim um when that will be uh, my wife says 10 years time um, <laughs> <laughs> i say it might be a bit shorter um but um, i'm certainly keeping on you know swimming and I absolutely, yeah, I just loved everything about it in the process. And and now I go, go down to Salford Keys and think, oh, why not? I'll do a 10K. Yep. The little switch gets, gets turned and you're like, oh, oh I could just keep going. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and those mantras that you, that you get along the way, you know, that, like you said, to just keep swimming and all of those and these little, little things. I think, you know, any sort of message for aspiring Marathons and challenges, or whatever, would be that you know, take your inspiration where you can get it. Yeah, um, there is it's no different one for everybody. Thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Don't think there is something that you know. If you're not doing, like I said, I I, I was intimidated by Dover Solo book when I read that. It was meant to inspire me, and I, I mean, she's you know, fantastic swimmer, of course, and I know she did the North Challenge as well, and it's truly inspiring. There's so many, and it, like Kim Chambers, is it who Kim swims the documentary? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah. wow! I used to watch that when I wasn't swimming or listening to this podcast. Um, I'd be watching, you know, that um, it, it, again on a Sunday. I'd get up on a cold morning before because invariably I'd be up at six a.m. because my children would be up, and they'd get me up, and I'd go downstairs, get a coffee, and I'd watch that, and I'd think if Kim can swim from the Farallon Islands to you know, to San Fran in that water with what's in there with her. And I'm worried about going around Salford Keys for two hours, you know, come on, have a word with yourself, you know. So, um, but, but yeah, you find it, in, you know, different places and 
my wife, by the way, feels she knows you uh, quite well as well because I have the podcast on in bed. So she falls, <laughs> she falls to sleep to uh, to this podcast as well as me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, tell her I tell her I said hello. <laughs> yeah, I, I certainly will. I certainly will. I love the idea of kind of closing on the. I guess first of all, congratulations on your thank you on your English Channel crossing. That's um, an amazing, an amazing achievement. And I just love thinking about. I mean, you very much hit on why I like to talk to people from all walks of life and. There was a period when I first started, and I would I've, I was talking to Lynn Cox and Marath and Sarah Thomas and all these like renowned swimmers. But I was like, wait a second, you know, there's the pe- the person that pushes themselves to do their first 10k, or the person who started swimming when they were 55 and never had swum. But you know, I just love to share those stories because of exactly what you said, so people can take the inspiration that that resonates with them because. At the end of the day, I really think it's like the way you were talking about your, you know, that sunrise and how much you love that time on the water. I think I wrote about it at my last swim in my my blog write up about it. At the end, I was like, I, at the end of these swims, I'm I'm awakened and I feel so much more alive and I'm just love everybody. I have so much gratitude for the opportunity. And I just think everybody should have the opportunity to, <laughs> to have that feeling, however they can get it. They don't have to swim. They could, you know, walk outside and with a cup of coffee and watch the sunrise. But just the more that we can like tap into that as humans, I think that we'll all be better people. So, so thank you for helping me uh, send that message out there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it does. I think it, it, that's the thing. Find that you, you know thing, whatever it would may be, and you know, and connect with it and enjoy it. And, and like you said, I've made some friends for I would hope for life, you know, through it. Um, and and that's an amazing thing to do, you know, like-minded people or not as the case may be, and you know, who share that sort of thing and that passion. And it's drawn, you know, it's drawn a lot of people sort of together, not just swimmers, you know, people in. Well, I remember, you know, I swam it for charity and it, the charity is called North Care. It's a charity which supports the NHS, the National Health Service in uh, the UK and specifically paediatric services in and around Greater Manchester. Um, they do fantastic work. I've got a good Just Giving page, uh, Dan, in the channel. Um, and I'm grateful, Shannon, for you allowing me to you know, plug this on, on here. You know, again, the fundraising element of that has been is blown me away. I set a char- target of a thousand pounds and I've over 5,000 pounds now. And, you know, I'm sort of, again, that sort of thing. And, you know, that's going to be, make a real difference uh, as well, that, that money, um, you know, to people. And, and as I said, it brings, brings people together. And like you said, just, just if, if we all did that and it gives you, a, gives you a moment to went away on holiday this year to Anglesey, which is a, an Island just off the coast of Wales, which is beautiful, fantastic swimming there. And, I got out of the water and there was a guy watching, I think his daughter or granddaughter, he was a Canadian guy, and he just said to me, oh, how far you swam? And I said, oh, I've just done a couple of kilometres just, you know, across the bay and back. And he just then, it opened up a whole conversation with him and he told me his life story and, you know, he was deep. And, you know, you just don't get that um, sort of connection that much anymore. And, and it's an easy sort of way to, you know, to be able to do that. So. Yeah, and and the fact that I've been able to share it, this story with you, and and finally get to speak to you, and has been fantastic, and I'm and I'm very grateful, Shannon, for the opportunity. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you were inspired, 
by even just a moment of this story. Please share it with a friend. You never know what might push someone out of their comfort zone so that they can find out what they're capable of. And please leave a review with your podcast provider. It truly helps others discover the raw and honest stories of these amazing endurance swimmers. Thanks for listening.